Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are shared here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. It's Father Tom. This is Pastor Perry, and I'm reading the first text, which is from Acts 17. After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphilius, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city authorities, shouting, These people who have been turning the world upside down came, have come here also, and Jason has entertained them as guests. They are all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there is another king named Jesus. The people and the city officials were disturbed when they heard this, and after they had, been, after they had taken Baal from Jason and the others, they let them go. The second reading this week is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report uh, about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. All right, so we carry on in the book of Acts here, and we pick up uh, the first part of the first letter to the Thessalonians from Paul. So it's kind of neat to see, uh, well, maybe it's not neat to see how it got started. I mean, it looks like a mess on the front end when um, they go to visit these Thessalonians, and then we get to see later on in the letter that Paul is writing back to them, well, Paul and Silvanus, Timothy, that things seem to have turned out all right for them. 
uh, towards the end here, verse 9, it says, in every place your faith in God has become known so that we have no need to speak about it. So something has happened there that they're, they're well known for it. And I was also wondering, <laughs> maybe it's so that nobody needs to speak about it because they can see it, or is Paul saying here, I don't have to come back and talk to you about your faith. We don't need to speak about it. You're doing all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might have been. It's like, you know, for a long time we had to talk about that church. We were a little worried about you. <laughs> but, you know, but now we, we've quit talking about you because you seem to be catching on. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple ways to look at that. But whatever the case, very celebratory tone. Thing. It's kind of like, things turned out great for you. And I want to tell you that and tell you what I've been hearing about you. I didn't realize this the first time that we were reading through it, but um, the these two are linked. You know, I wondered a little bit. You know, why are we doing Thessalonians and and Acts, and then oh, this is the beginning of the church in Thessalonica, and um, then we get Paul's letter to that church, and it did not look like a very successful church plant at first. Um, it, you know, we, we sometimes worry about church plants nowadays, and uh, I've never heard of one going this poorly. So, <laughs> with, with arrests, with arrests and conspiracies, and you know, um, and but still, I mean, something about the message of a Messiah who was crucified gave this church endurance and adaptability um, to persevere to continue on and to become a church that not only Paul is proud of but is an exemplary church for all the churches in the area so for me I mean my the thing that gets me through most days is no matter how bad it is God can get something good out of it and that's what I see a little bit in this in this in these a tale of two passages here is you know no matter how auspicious the beginning god can god can do good stuff with even that yeah it's interesting to lay this alongside last week where we had peter and john offer jesus and a man is who's been lame from birth is healed and gets up and leaps for joy and here paul and his his fellows offer jesus and a mob forms and chases them chases them uh, essentially out of town there. So it's interesting to see the two different outcomes, but as you said there, God, still in the long run, we get to see in the letter, works good out of this. The other piece that I was picking up when you we brought up church plant a couple times, now we read this a few times before we started recording, and I'm thinking of, in some sense, our understanding of what it is to be church is, is in, in flux right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and to think of, in some sense, there's, a little bit of church planting going on in how we do this online and people understanding what's it mean to be church when we can't gather in the ways that we're used to, what's it mean to be church when we gather in our homes. So you've, you've kind of got little church plants, if you will, in those situations too. And I think those also have their their frustrations. Um, hopefully nobody's having a mob form in their house <laughs> among their family. But in some ways, you know, there's struggles that, that come with this church plant too or this changing that we're seeing going on in our churches right now too but again to go back to that i believe that god based on our history with him and, and the story our story with his son will work good through this too for sure you know as long as we continue to give jesus like was talked about last week to share that gospel to share that good news we'll 
will continue to, to I, I believe, have, have God's guidance and, and strength. I gotta imagine it took a lot of courage to do that. One of the things that happens in Acts is, Luke does a very good job of getting everybody's name in there, but he sometimes assumes that the audience knows who we're talking about. And that's especially hard for when we're just reading this, you know, sort of a chunk at a time. And so this name of Jason pops up, and I think we're all supposed to know who Jason, oh, Jason, duh, who doesn't know Jason from <laughs> Thessalonica? But, but anyway, this guy named Jason all of a sudden is the one who, you know, he's the one who's hosting these two missionaries. And then he's on the hook for, you know, this mob that gets sort of riled up. And uh, one thing that um, we might pass over is by the end of it, you know, he's taking care of, you know, this church under these really difficult circumstances takes care of everybody in their midst. And um, they make sure that he gets bailed out. Normally, the discretionary fund doesn't get used like that, at least at my church, but they they get him, they get, they make him right. They make him whole. And um, I imagine that that could have been a very bonding, you know, that could have been a very church bonding moment. They had to bail Jason out. Yeah, that that would be a story to tell. <laughs> well, it made it right. It made it into the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Apparently, it was. Because <laughs> yeah, it's basically like yeah. Remember when we were in Thessalonica, and you know we got everybody all riled up, and they put Jason in prison. That's crazy. That was a crazy story, <laughs> man. We don't know the rest of it. But. The the first story too. There's such a. A twist on words here and you know thankfully we never run into to that in our our world but <laughs> it's sarcasm alert coming to my attention here the the leaders when they bring up their case they say these people have been turning the world upside down ever since they've come here but if they're the very ones who have just been in the marketplace looking for some people to help stir up a mob and get the city into an uproar and then they flip it and say these people are the ones turning the world upside down um, and have, brought, have come here also. So there's, in that first passage, there's interesting the way that the two go about persuading. Paul comes in and attempts to persuade by explaining through the scriptures and he's pointing to Christ as the Messiah and uh, the people's hope or the, the hope that we hear in the second part there is Jesus is the one who rescues us. And the other people are driven by jealousy there in, in verse 5 and are attempting to persuade by way of fear. You know, let's get some ruffians from the marketplace. We'll get a mob. We'll get the city in the uproar. We'll get everybody concerned. And then after we've done all this, we'll point the finger at those other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so who, who are the fingers pointing to when someone is speaking you know, from, from Paul and his company? They're pointing to Christ. And saying he's the one who can, can rescue you from your troubles, whatever they might be, even if it's us. <laughs> Jesus can rescue you from that. And, and the authorities are pointing at, at uh, Paul and his company and saying, ah, they're the problem. Um, or they're concerned for their own power. They're pointing to themselves and saying, well, we don't want to lose our authority and our persuasion among the group, so uh, we better show our own power, our own authority. Very seldom does God appear in the mob. From us, I'm learning that. <laughs> yeah. You know, when there's a mob in Holy Scripture, usually God's not. God's not part there. of that. It's kind of a, a 
disconnect in a sense that I'm seeing here is that Paul's in the first first text Paul's explaining and proving and arguing with them about Jesus and about what it I would imagine means to have faith and trust in him and then we get to verse 4 of uh, 1 Thessalonians and it says for we know brothers and sisters beloved by God that he has chosen you that God chose you and that seems to really take some of the work of what Paul and Silas were doing I mean obviously the word needs to be proclaimed but God's really doing the work um, and it almost seems like Paul's a little bit more zealous than he has to be in that God's picking them but you know maybe I'm just splitting hairs here but no I, I Perry I agree with you because you know if we look at that you know if we look at this in an evangelistic standpoint you know, we Christians are called to sow those seeds. You know, we can sow them on rocky soil. We can sow them on good soil. We can sow them on the road. It's God's job to grow them. And I think Paul was like really hoping to see those suckers grow right then and there. And I don't know. Um, and I think you can tell by the time he writes this letter, he's like, oh, yeah, God. God did it. God did it. Yeah. yeah God did it. It wasn't me. I got you put in prison, but you know. <laughs> I might have had my foot on the gas a little too hard there. Yeah, that very much pulls into with the whole theme in Acts 2 of Christ living in us and working through us. And I'm thinking, uh, I want to say this is in John's gospel where Jesus said, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, I hear mm -hmm. Paul is doing that very thing. He's, uh, God's doing the choosing through, through Paul to speak that here, to say Paul is, chosen you so you still might be noodling around on the subject but god's made up his mind about you powerful to hear that you know that that god is certain in his choosing yeah i just it's comforting to know that it's never easy well when it's easy to be the church you might be in trouble and we have a lot of precedent for uh for the church being really great when it's not easy to be the church and god I don't think God likes the church to be in trouble, but man, God loves to work when the church is in trouble. And uh, that brings me great comfort in these times when we're trying to figure out how to be the church. You know, we have, um, we have all we need if we've got God. I would invite the listener to think about a time um, that they felt chosen, that they really, that they really resonated with that idea, that they felt that chosenness. Because that's a very, unfortunately, we don't feel it all the time. At least I don't, but I have felt it from time to time, and that's that's one of those memories I like to return to and pray for more of. In Paul's letter, he he lifts up. Again, this is verse 8. He says, But in every place your faith in God has become known so that we have no need to speak about it. I'm going to take that from the point of not you saying, I'm done lecturing you about it, but to say that there's something about their faith that has become known about them so much so to the point that it's not words so much as it is to here's this thing I see happening in your life. And I'm wondering if you know somebody who you uh, would point to and say, 
you can see God at work in their life. You know, um, how, how God has shaped and changed them or how God is shaping and changing um, our world through that particular person. Um, how would you speak about it, even though that individual may not need to speak about it? Because I see that's a lot of what Paul's doing in this letter to the Thessalonians, a lot of encouragement um, in their faith and in what God is doing through them. Um, so what's a way, who's an individual or a group of individuals maybe who you see and how would you encourage them in their faith? And I'll throw out the question of, uh, has there been a time in your life where you faced persecution or suffering uh, for the faith? Uh, and in that time frame, did, did you draw closer or further away from God? Mm-hmm.